I'm glad you found your way to the Your Vet Wants You to Know podcast for more information about how to care for your pet. The show is designed to be educational and entertaining, but not to give a specific diagnosis or treatment for your animal. That job belongs to your veterinarian who knows your pet and wants to talk to you about what's going on with them. I'm here to be a resource only. Thanks and enjoy the show. As a curious pet owner, have you ever taken to the internet for more information? Maybe you want to know why your pet is itchy and what you can do about it. Maybe you're frustrated about the ear infections. Maybe you're looking for ways to make veterinary care more affordable. Instead of wading through a sea of information that may not be reliable and in some cases may be harmful, here is what your vet wants you to know. I'm Dr. Brittany Lancelotti, board certified veterinary dermatology specialist. Join me to get the information you're looking for to care for your pet. If you're curious about your pet, then your vet wants you to know. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Your Vet Wants You to Know. I am very excited to talk about a really special topic, one that is very popular on the show apparently, and that is elimination diet trials. So our food allergies episode has been one of the most downloaded. And in order to kind of give people a little bit more information on food allergies and how to perform an elimination diet trial, I have brought a very special guest onto the show today, Dr. Megan Painter. Welcome. Thank you. Very excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you. I want to give our listeners a little bit of a background. Dr. Painter is a board-certified veterinary dermatologist who works in the greater Boston area. Dr. Painter started working with animals at age 15 and was a dedicated volunteer with the MSPCA for her high school days, eventually being recognized at her high school graduation for her commitment to community service and serving others. She attended Tufts University and hoped that she would launch a career in veterinary medicine early on, but the universe had other plans for her. She graduated with a degree in philosophy and continued her career in the shelters until 2010. And 12 years ago, on this very day, she signed up for a chemistry class, testing the waters to see what was out there for her with science, and it clicked. And so Dr. Painter enrolled at Tufts Veterinary School, graduating with honors in 2014. And she went back to her roots at the MSPCA Angels Animal Medical Center for one year with a small animal medicine and surgery internship. And then following that, in 2015, she started her three-year residency in dermatology, and that was a hybrid between a clinic in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and a larger dermatology group in California, where she and I were resident mates together. She learned from the best of the best and sucked it all in. Her curiosity is probably one of her strongest traits, and her research is definitely a testament to that. She completed a very unique study on, you guessed it, diet trials, the subject of today's talk. That study looked specifically at why people struggle with this change and helped get some understanding about how we can do diet trials better. Megan lives with her two-and-a-half-year-old Claire, her husband Andrew, and their cat Chips. She works full-time at the MSPCA Angel West in Waltham, Massachusetts. I'm very, very excited to have you on today, Dr. Painter. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here to talk about probably my favorite thing to talk about. Absolutely. I know you are always my go-to person whenever I have questions about nutrition and about diet trials. You are just like 
chock full of all of these gems. And I can't wait to share them with the listeners today. Great. So for our listeners, if you've listened to the episode on food allergies, you'll recall Cookie, our energetic black lab whose recurrent ear infections were caused by her underlying food allergies. Cookie's owner did an elimination diet trial to help figure out whether or not she had a food allergy. And then after discovering that she did, we went down an individual ingredient challenge and figured out what proteins she was allergic to. Now, when Cookie uses her energy to do agility work with her owner, he knows exactly what treats that he can give her to reward her on a job well done. So today we'll be diving deeper into elimination diet trials and providing you with some information on how to work with your family veterinarian to figure out if your pet has a food allergy. So Dr. Painter, for what types of pets do you recommend doing a diet trial? What are some of the clues that lead you to suspect that there might be a food allergy? I thought that this was covered really well in your previous podcast on food allergy. So I definitely encourage people to go back and listen to that first if you haven't already. But in general, we have the opportunity to diagnose food allergy in dogs and cats, and it should not be missed. So this is something that is you know, potentially going to change the course and direction of your pet's life. The dogs and cats that we consider this for are continuously affected, so they don't seem to have any clear seasonality or seasonal influence to their symptoms. They're pretty itchy year-round. And other things that I think are interesting clues are GI signs. I talk a lot about poop, and it's one of my favorite things to bring up in uh, my dermatology histories because people are not expecting it. So what is your dog's poop like? Tell me how many times a day your dog poops. And I do miss the days before COVID where we were doing non-curbside visits. And so I could actually show people a poop chart, which I use in the office every day so that people could point to what their dog's poop looks like. Because often they think it's normal, but it truly is not. It's very soft. Um, So paying attention to some of the GI symptoms, looking at the GI history, you know, did your dog have Giardia as a puppy? That's a potential risk factor for developing food allergy. So we really want to use this as a launching point for the direction that all of our treatments are going to go. And so looking at these pets that have symptoms that are continuous, I think is the most important. But really, if you're just not sure, give it a try. Yeah, that's great. Until we actually do an elimination diet trial and figure out whether or not there's a food component, you're just not going to know. So I think it's a great test for anyone that has an itchy dog or cat to be able to get some more information. What would you say is required of a pet owner when performing a diet trial? What should the pet owner expect? So a diet trial is the only diagnostic test for food allergy. And this was covered in the previous podcast episode where we talk about the lack of other tests that are available for food allergies. So a diet trial is an eight-week test that you are doing in your home. And what you're going to do is feed your dog or cat a specific food that is often a prescription food or at least prescribed by your veterinarian. And you're going to feed that strictly for eight weeks. And that's all you're going to feed them. The only thing that they take in by mouth is this food and water. Yeah, 
I will oftentimes tell pet owners, no treats, no table scraps, no hiding pills and other types of food. If you look in your hand and it's not that prescription food, it does not go past your pet's lips. So there's a lot of things that people think, oh, well, I'm going to give this food, but then I'm also going to use pill pockets to give medications. I'm going to give this food, but then I'm also going to give a greenie as a dental chew. Okay. So I think that this is not something that we try. This is something that we do. Okay. This is a test that you are performing. And on this test, you want to get an A+. There's really no point in doing this test if you plan on getting a C. Okay. You don't want to spend time with your dog feeding this food and seeing if things change and also giving chicken on the side. So the most important thing I think you can have is buy-in, okay? You really want to believe that this is something that could be affecting your dog or cat. You also want to believe that you can do it, okay? So you have to think about all the things in your lifestyle that could prevent you from doing it really well. How are you going to give medication? How are you going to deal with your toddler? What happens when Uncle Fred comes over? You know, is there a dog walker that you need to make sure is lumped into the story here? It just takes a little bit of forethought so that if you have the right planning, it's just a lot easier to administer this test. It's in your hands. It's something that you're going to be doing. And so I think one of the things too is that allergy is an over-response to something microscopic. So when I'm talking about food allergy, I think one of the most important things for people to get their head around is that it doesn't take a lot to cause an allergic flare-up. So a child doesn't have to eat a bucket of peanuts in order to have an allergic reaction to peanuts. And the same is true for dogs. They don't have to eat six rotisserie chickens in order to have an ear infection. The smallest piece of chicken could cause them to have a flare, and I've seen it. And so it is meaningful to be strict. And if you are performing the trial strictly, you will get the most diagnostic information. I want to change the name of the diet trial to a diagnostic diet trial instead of an elimination diet trial because I think that really helps drive home the point that this is a test and the purpose of doing it is to answer a question, what percentage of your dog's problem is from food? And if we can get an answer to that early on in the course of managing your dog's allergies, you're way ahead of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so important that the pet owner understand how much value is coming from this test, because it does seem like a big investment of time and effort on the pet owner's part. Is this test really worth it? Why is it a valuable undertaking for pet owners? This is one of the most valuable pieces of time that you'll spend. It's just such an opportunity. Whenever I start a diet trial in one of my patients, I always feel an intense amount of optimism for their pet. It's possible that your pet could be a normal, healthy dog or cat at the end of their diet trial because you've changed the food and because you've done a diagnostic diet trial. You've done a good job managing their food intake and cutting out what potentially could be causing them to have their symptoms. And as a result of doing that, they potentially could live a life without medication and without the need to continually be going to the veterinarian for more advanced testing, ear infections, constant antibiotics, all the time Apoquel. These diet measures 
can help dogs live normal lives. And I see it all the time. And so whenever I'm recommending this for a patient, I honestly do get so excited to think, oh man, this dog could come back in here in eight weeks and be normal. And that's not only good for the owner, but it's great for the dog. And to see that change is exactly why we do it. Now, not every dog is going to be normal. Some dogs are going to not be food allergic and that's okay. But if you know that you've done your best job with the diet, then you know the answer. You know what your dog's allergic to. You know, So the value in that is really harnessing the opportunity you have to understand more about your dog and their diagnosis. I always say too that you can't control pollen. This is easy. You know, if you want your dog to have a problem, you want them to have a food allergy because, you know, a lot of times people grumble and say, oh God, I don't want to have to change the diet. But no, that's not the case. Think of how easy it is. You know, dogs don't go to restaurants. They're not out there wishing they could get all the different cakes and stuff at the buffet, right? You control what they eat. It's so easy, but you can't control pollen. You can't control Mm -hmm. dust mites. This is something that you can make a difference in your dog's life immediately. And so being able to do that and to do that successfully is such a win. And it's something that you can do right if you have the right tools and right understanding of what exactly you're doing. Yeah, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see a dog come back in for that recheck and they're off all anti-itch medication. They're not on eardrops anymore. They're just, they're doing great coasting on the food and we've made a big difference in their life. I mean, it's just so rewarding for everybody involved in managing that pet's care. A patient that changed my perspective on diet trials was an older dog, it's about 14 years old and this dog had multiple problems and had awful skin and ear disease. And it had seen, oh God, probably 10 different dermatologists. And I saw this dog through a satellite clinic. And this was my third recheck. And I said, okay, has anyone ever done a diet trial with your dog? And they said, no, what's that? And I said, listen, we're going to try this. This is the deal. And I gave them my handout and I said, you need to be strict eight weeks. Think of it like a test. It's a science experiment that you're doing in your house. You want to get an A plus, all the things that I usually tell people. And this miserable little animal, he just was so sad with his ear infections and constant skin itch and just one of those dogs that you just feel so badly for. Eight weeks later, I saw this dog and it skipped into the exam room and (laughs) This is an animal who probably for 14 years had the wrong diagnosis. And I said, never again am I going to let the potential for food allergy be something that we overlook. It's worth it. Just do it. It's eight weeks of time. You know, you very well might get your answer and get it early and get it now, and then you're done. And if you don't, that's okay, but at least you tried. And so doing the best job you possibly can up front will really make it so that your dog's not a 10-year-old dog who's been struggling because you've never looked at the role that food plays in causing the symptoms. So you talk about getting an A-plus on this diet trial. What are some of the most common reasons why a pet owner might struggle? And can you give our listeners some advice on how to overcome some of those pitfalls so that we can set them up for an A-plus? 
So medication delivery is by far one of the hardest things. They're going to need this for whether it's their allergy or some other problem. They're taking medication for arthritis, you know, and now we're changing their food. And so you really need to think about how you're going to get those pills into them. And very often what we're doing is using canned food that comes with the diet, but not every diet comes with a canned food. And so I've had people grind down dry food and make it into a paste. People do all sorts of crazy things to manage medication. But the biggest thing is you can't avoid it. You have to find a solution. And so talking with your veterinarian, talking with other pet owners who have done diet trials before, and just thinking outside the box within the diet of ways that you can get medication to your dog without using something like a pill pocket or another type of food like cheese or peanut butter, because all of these things potentially could be what your dog's allergic to and then make the diet trial not something that's diagnostic. So medication delivery is a huge focus. Get that one out of the way early. And then it's really important to communicate with everyone in the home. So I have a handout that I give people, but I go through everything with the person on the phone. But that's one person. There's lots of people in the house. And so you need to have a family meeting and just say, hey, listen, this is what we're doing. And you need to figure out what the motivators are for everyone in the house. A lot of times there's a husband who likes to feed treats or there's an uncle who comes over and always gives the dog hot dogs at the cookout. And so you need to help them replace that behavior. And that's another easy pro tip. So I have people think about when their dog gets snacks or when their dog gets table scraps and just replace that with some dry food. Okay. Have a bowl of dry food on your counter and throw your dog some kibbles, you know, instead of giving him a piece of chicken. It's easier to replace a behavior than to just sit there and sulk and say, oh, the poor dog can't get anything. Because in fact, they are getting something. And what they're not getting is maybe an ear infection. So it is actually very useful to try to replace the behavior and to do it very well. You want to think about other places where your dog goes, where food might be given. So places like daycare, dog walks, groomers, you want to have a conversation with them and make sure you provide them with on-limit treats that they can get whether that's the dry food or the treat that comes with the food that is prescribed, that is ultimately going to be based on what diet is picked. But making sure that you supply people, set them up for success so that they have what they need to do a good job. Some of the biggest barriers that I see with elimination diet trials or diagnostic diet trials failing would be kids. So toddlers, babies in the home that are throwing food on the floor, one of the big things that we need to communicate is, all right, when it comes time for meals, when that child is eating, the dog's in the other room. You know, there's a gate across the kitchen so that there's no accidents happening. Just taking the time to think ahead and to set yourself up for success. And then you don't have to worry about the dog stole some food off of the toddler's high chair. And then I really find that older relatives are some of the ones that like to slip treats to the dogs as well. My father-in-law, for sure, he carries around bacon in his pockets for the dogs. That's right. And I think that is a really good point um, that you bring up about kids. So it might not be the right time for you to do a diet trial. You know, maybe you have seven mm -hmm. toddlers and five other dogs. If that's the case, there's no value in doing it if it's not going to be well done. Put it to the side, but know that you put it to the side and know that maybe someday when things straighten out again, you might revisit this. 
it's still to me an open diagnosis if you have not determined what percentage of the problem is from food. So if you're still lingering on that, you haven't performed a diagnostic diet trial, you're not sure if your dog's issues are from food or environmental allergy or a combination of those two, just put the food to the side until you can do a great job with the diet trial, and then you'll at least get that information. It's okay. You know, the holidays were a big barrier where people didn't want to do trials over Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, so wait until February, just set your eyes and say, okay, when do I have eight weeks of time that I can really devote to this? Another thing I see that makes me feel sad is when people are doing diet trials that last longer than eight weeks and it just is, oh, we've had them on this food for two and a half years. It's a test. It's an eight-week test. And so it's doable. I think it makes it a little easier for you to think of doing something for eight weeks versus indefinitely. And so set your eyes on the end. There will be an end. And this is something that at the end you'll get information from. Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue into my next question. A lot of pet owners may not completely understand what the reason is for feeding this food. I see pet owners come in and say, my vet put me on this food and the dog didn't get better. What is it that the pet owner should expect when they're doing this test for eight weeks? Why is it just eight weeks and what does that end point look like? The brilliant people who came before us, they were the ones who looked and said, okay, listen, how long do these trials have to last? And so there's a series of studies that have been done. They collated all of those and said, eh, we're not really getting many more animals if we go past eight weeks. So in terms of improvement, you're not going to see many more dogs improve if you go for nine or 10 weeks. And so the kind of general consensus is eight weeks. It's not four and it's not two, it's eight. And there may be some evidence that you can shorten the length of trials by doing some medication onboarding. But those are, I think, specific cases, and that's relatively new information to us. So for now, it's an eight-week trial. And during that time, you're just feeding the food, you're living life. Don't think of it as this big deal, because it's not. It's just a diet change. You change food all the time. And how many times have they changed the dog's diet to see if food was the problem? Mm -hmm. Six, seven different foods that they've tried on their own. So this is oftentimes this idea that people have that it's hard, but it's not. It's stuff you do every day. It's just what you feed your dog. And food is nutritious. It's balanced. It's something that most dogs really like. In fact, a lot of food allergic dogs are described as picky. And then they do a diet trial and they're not picky anymore. They love the food. People come back and say, oh my God, my dog loves this food. And so <laughs> it's not like it's bad food. It's actually great food. And if they were allergic to their chicken-based diet before and they're not allergic to this, they're going to be thrilled. So again, there's nothing bad about this. It shouldn't be thought of as some sort of prison sentence. It's a good thing. Dogs everywhere can be helped from diet trials. Diet trial for right. everyone. <laughs> And so when we're talking about eight weeks, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what the next step is in figuring out whether or not there is a food allergy? How do we confirm what we were suspicious of and why we did this diet trial in the first place? Everybody who has a diet trial has a recheck scheduled with me at eight weeks. So I don't wait longer. I schedule them in the office that day, eight weeks later. And at that time, the question is, is your dog better? Yes or no? Most people with a food allergic dog say, there's no question my dog is better. The way that they answer that question tells me all I need to know. 
And then of course, there are going to be people who have no change. Their dog is the same and that's fine. We move right on from food. They can feed a diet of their choice. However, if the dog is better, I provide people with a series of options. And those options really depend on the person and the dog. Option one is to do nothing. Okay, When you're talking about food allergy, a lot of focus is placed on this idea of challenging the diet to prove that it's a food allergy. But I don't care, right? Like I will wait my whole life to figure out if Fluffy has a food allergy if we never, ever do a challenge. If he's doing great, that's all I care about. And that's probably all the pet owner cares about too. You just want your dog to feel better. So if they feel better, you don't have to tempt fate and do a challenge to prove it to yourself. However, there are some people who really need that. They want to know. And so I say, great, feed them their old food, see what happens. And if they flare up, then we know. This is actually important in New England. We have seasonality here. This is actually when I'm dealing with this in the winter time, um, where dogs are better, but people will say he's better, but I'm not sure if it's because it's winter. So this is a great opportunity to do a challenge and just see. And if they flare up, then we know we move on with food. If they don't flare up, then we talk about seasonal influence and managing environmental allergy. And then the other thing that I do that's fun is how I structure my individual ingredient challenges. So if you want to know what your dog is allergic to, you can do individual ingredient challenges until the cows come home. And mm -hmm. they last about two weeks. You pick an item, you feed the item on day one, and then that's it. And you monitor your dog for the next 13 days to see if there's any flare. And flare-ups would be diarrhea, itchiness, ear infection, anything that your dog used to have that they don't anymore because of their new food. And after that challenge, if there was no change, then that food is an on-limits food. And if there was a flare, then we manage that. What I prefer is to have people pick two or three things that they think are meaningful to their dog or you even. I really just miss giving them my blueberries from my oatmeal in the morning. Can I do a challenge with blueberries? Absolutely. So you get some blueberries, you do a challenge with blueberries, and you see what happens. And then, oh, cool, I can still give them blueberries. I'm fine. And maybe you're done. No more challenges. Or maybe your kid wants to do cheese sticks, and so you do a cheese challenge, and oh, no, Fluffy gets itchy. You know, so those are the kinds of things that you really have to put it into your real life perspective so that you do meaningful challenges so that you can now live with this dog forever and manage food in a way that works for you and for the dog. Yeah, I think that's great. I would have to say the individual ingredient challenge is probably one of my favorite parts of this whole process because it does give the pet owner the opportunity to introduce those things that have value to them. For example, if it were my father-in-law, one of the first things bacon. we would challenge with would be bacon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to Cookie, who I talked about in the food allergies episode, her owner really wanted to have high value treats in order to do agility training with her. And so doing that individual ingredient challenge allowed him to find what proteins were high value, 
but also non-reactive with her immune system because we wanted to give her something that she really loved and worked hard for, but wouldn't result in these horrible ear infections that she was dealing with before. So it's a really fun tool that pet owners can use in order to give them something special that's not going to send the pet back to see the vet again and again. So I, I highly recommend people going through and doing the individual ingredient challenges for the thing that they find value from. I also get super nerdy if people really want to get nerdy. And I send them to my friend, Terry Bright, who has a PhD in behavior analysis. And she focuses on dogs and cats. She is brilliant. And she has a video that she made for her PhD thesis project where she does paired choice assessments for treats. And it is so fun. So you basically ask the question, do you prefer bacon or bananas, bacon or bananas, bacon or bananas, and then the dog picks bacon every time. Then you say, do you prefer bacon or chicken, right? Bacon or chicken. And you basically provide this opportunity for the dog to pick what is meaningful for them in a scientific way. It's super fun. She does it with her dog radio. And I think there's 4,000 views on this YouTube video, all from my patients and clients. <laughs> um, like it was literally something that should never have been really seen. But I like know Terry because she's my friend and we've been friends forever. And it's like her in her living room with her dog. And then I'm like, go watch this video. And people are like, okay. But it is actually really fun. And if you have three things and you're just wondering, we did this with my dog and it was ridiculous because she ended up picking the Hill Science Diet Hydrolyzed Treats as her 100% most preferred treat. And oh, that's awesome. it was so funny. And it was after like hot dogs and cat food and we tried all these things and she picked that one over and over again, which you never would have expected. So I think sometimes we get really caught up in finding a food item that dogs really care about. But really, we don't ever ask them what they care about. We just assume what they care about. And so this is one of those kind of fun ways to actually do that. So we can put the link to her YouTube video in the show notes. I would love that. <laughs> and get I another 5,000 views. She'll be like, what is happening? <laughs> I am definitely intrigued and I want to go watch that. I told her that we're going to have to remake the video. So I was like, can we just do this? Because I am sending way too many people to this video and I think we need to redo it. And she's like, sure, what do you have in mind? I was like, maybe not in your living room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's great. And it's a fun resource. And just, you know, one more way to make it fun. Like this is, again, life, right? Your dog needs to eat. And if this food works for them, find a way to make it happen. That's great. Well, I mean, most people are going to be doing this paired choice assessment in their living rooms at home. So it's kind of true. Yeah. yeah, it fits perfectly. <laughs> well, Dr. Painter, this has been a really great discussion on diet trials and what the pet owner can expect and how to set them up for success. Do you have any other advice or gems that you want to share with pet owners who are considering doing an elimination or diagnostic diet trial with their pet? I think we've covered it all. You guys are, I hope, just as jazzed as I am. You're feeling optimistic. You're feeling like this is an opportunity. And it's something that we do, not something that we try. So it is important. And at the end, you're going to get an answer of what percentage of your dog's problem is from food, which I think a lot of us wonder, folks with dogs with 
food allergy or just allergies in general, is it the food? You always just wonder. And so answering that question pretty much definitively is really fun. It's honestly really easy. So follow your vet's advice, get advice from a board certified veterinary dermatologist if you need more help. We're totally here to help you. And this is something that we do each day and just love doing it. We're here for you and for your dog so that you can do this right the first time. Absolutely. Yeah, this is what we love. We love talking about this stuff and we have been through it all. If you have questions or concerns, we can certainly help to work with you and figure out what it is we need to do to set you and your pet up for success. A lot of family veterinarians are comfortable managing pets with food allergies too, but the link to the American College of Veterinary Dermatologists to find a dermatologist near you is posted on the website if you would like to consult with a specialist. And you can also look at the references for today's show in the show notes on the website. If you have a pet um, where you are thinking about doing a diet trial or you have done a diet trial and you have some wisdom to share with other pet owners, I would encourage you to join the Facebook group so you can tell other pet owners about your experience and maybe help some other people, give them a little bit of encouragement that they might need to be able to perform this successfully. I like to end each episode with a short segment called Scratching the Itch, and the segment highlights something, either a human interest story, a product, a website that just provides relief or makes you feel good, hence Scratching the Itch. Dr. Painter, I was wondering if you had something that scratched the itch for our listeners today. Absolutely. So I am very proud to work for an amazing charitable organization. So the MSPCA and ANGEL is a 501c3. And there are a number of programs that are developed within the MSPCA to fill the need and to help. I think ultimately the veterinarians, the staff, technicians, everybody who works at this organization just really wants to help and make a difference. And my friend, Alyssa Krieger, is one of those people. Wanted to give her a shout out today. Uh, She is the manager of the MSPCA's community outreach program that specifically focuses on the Dorchester community. And this is a community where they don't have a lot of access to veterinary service. And so this program is basically helping to address inequities in access to pet resources. It provides free veterinary care, free spay-neuter, free transport, free pet food, basically anything that folks need. And Alyssa can be found on any given day with this little cart that she pushes around and she literally goes door to door, block by block, and she just says, hey, How can we help? Do you have a pet? Do you need help? She is a true hero in our community and someone who is doing such an amazing job. And this program is helping to reduce the number of unwanted pets that are in shelters. It's helping to promote the human-animal bond. And recently, they actually won an award uh, from the Humane Society of the United States with their Pets for Life program. And what I love is that the award is the Taking Care of Business Award which just really sums it all up. But they're basically out there hustling to make sure that everybody is getting the help that they need with their pets and that they all feel important and taken care of and that anything that they need with their particular animal is addressed. So total two thumbs up for this crew and all the work that they're doing. And it's what scratches my itch today. That's really wonderful and well done and well deserved for that award. 
I'll have a link to the MSPCA's community outreach program on the show notes and on the website. So if people want to find out more information about that, maybe they want to donate to help support the cause. I think that would be a wonderful thing that we could do. Um, So Dr. Painter, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us today. I truly appreciate your time. It has been a blast. I loved being here and um, hope everyone really enjoyed the show. Thank you everyone for listening today. And I look forward to your next visit with your vet wants you to know.